Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by visiting patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel podcast listener, to this, our back issue edition of our podcast. With me, as always, today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And joining us again from Germany in last week's episode is Ralph Singh. Ralph, how are you doing, sir? I'm fine. How are you? We are doing wonderful, sir. It is so great to have you back. I am so yeah. happy that you made the long flight over the internet to join <laughs> us here in America. Yeah. <laughs> because today we're going to talk about a flying superhero. We are here to talk all about Miss Marvel issues number one through three. And I think it's no surprise that we picked Miss Marvel because there is the new Captain Marvel movie that's coming out, or is it already out? When's it, Jason, when's that movie coming? It's coming out in March. So. Okay, so we're getting this in right under the wire. Right under the wire, absolutely. <laughs> well, we wanted to talk a little bit about Miss Marvel and specifically issues one through three because this is kind of an origin story for the character. I know there were some other trades that were done that'll probably relate a little bit more to the current film, but mm -hmm. this is really where this character got her start. So the year was 1977, and Marvel was set to debut its latest and greatest new superheroine, former NASA security chief Carol Danvers' life had long been intertwined with the alien Kree's interventions on Earth. Boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> but now it was time for this new woman in a new era to take on a new persona all her own, Miss Marvel. As editor of Woman Magazine, Danvers must contend with the Marvel Universe's biggest blowhard, J. Jonah Jameson, while discovering her identity and origins as a superhero. Gentlemen, that's a lot to take in. <laughs> that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially well, with Jay Jonah involved. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? I thought I talked a lot. This guy never <laughs> shuts up. And I thought he was supposed to be a writer. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> dive right in and start talking all about Miss Marvel issues one through three. Now let's go. there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo, Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. 
as always, we start with the creators. You can't have a comic book without all the folks involved with it. Are you and sure about that? You sure we can't have a comic book without people who create it? Is that real? I, I think, I think so, that's fake news. it's just in your mind, you know. I think that's fake news. No, I'm just fake, uh, <laughs> Of course. Well, one of the most important people involved with comic books, as Ralph, I'm sure you can attest, is the writer. And in this case, we had Jerry Conway. Jason, who the heck is Jerry Conway? Jerry Conway has probably written almost every Marvel and DC character you can think of. Really? He started in the late 60s doing some freelance stuff, uh, got on board with Marvel. He was actually, after Stan Lee finished his long run on Amazing Spider-Man, Jerry mm-hmm. stepped in to do a pretty significant run in the 70s at wow. the age of 19. Wow. Ralph, can you imagine at 19 years old being right after Stan Lee and writing Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds really crazy. Be a little intimidating, wouldn't it? <laughs> he also created one of your favorite characters, George, uh, the yeah? Punisher. Did he really? Yes. He created the Punisher? That's awesome. I love he the did. Punisher. Amazing Spider-Man Man. 129. Oh, right. That's right. I remember that now. That's very cool. So this guy's got a long and storied history, no pun intended. He's definitely done some work and put some time in. It's no wonder that he ended up starting out on this title then. What about the artist, John Buscema? Is that how you say it? Or Buscema? You always correct me, so I figure you you know. I think you had it right the first time. I've always heard it as uh, Buscema or Buscema. Uh, He, while Jerry wrote practically every Marvel character and DC, John probably drew almost every Marvel character. He's been wow. around. He, he passed away in the 2000s, but he started in the 40s doing some stuff, then got into Marvel in the 50s when they were still uh, Atlas comics. Oh, he's right. Had, yeah. He's had, had some significant runs on the Avengers, the Silver Surfer, the Marvel Conan, the Barbarian series. So he's done a lot of stuff and at Man. one time was, you know, considered, you know, one of the top Marvel guys. Is this a guy that you know much about, Ralph? Have you ever heard of John Buscema? Yeah, yeah, I remember him drawing um, Spider-Man when I was young. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, I guess if he's been around that long, everybody's probably heard of him. I'm probably the only neophyte who never doesn't know who he is. (laughs) Well, I would pronounce his name Buskima, but don't ask me. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) That's that whole lost in translation across the World Wide Web internet flight stuff from one country to another there. (laughs) What about the Inker? Uh, Joe Sinnott. Did I get that one right too? Yes, you did. Yeah, Joe Sinnott. I'm two Uh, for two, baby. Yes. This gentleman also has probably inked a lot of characters as well. There's a theme here. I Uh, guess so, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. He has inked a lot of stuff for Marvel. He is still with us. I believe he occasionally does conventions. He's 93 years old. Man, 93 years old. And he's still doing conventions occasionally? That's awesome. Occasionally. And he has inked uh, a lot of Jack Kirby. I think we've all heard of Jack Kirby. Mm, that's pretty cool. Inked a lot of his Fantastic Four work. Uh, so he's a very prolific inker uh, throughout You know the, the beginnings of Marvel. So yeah, great, great inker for sure. Wow. That's pretty damn cool to be able to work with the two gentlemen that we've talked about already, Jerry and John, and then to have inked the great Jack Kirby, the king. I mean, how do you have a better career than that as, all right, with 
all due respect, a tracer. He is a tracer, <laughs> as Kevin Smith has informed us. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, the man's obviously legendary if he's gotten to work with all those guys and he's still kicking today. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. What about, it uh, looks like the colors were done by Marie Severin. Yes. And, y- you know, a lot of these great stories that we've been reading, George, most of them have had a, a female artist in some compa- capacity uh, working on them, which I think is I really great. I noticed that. And yes. especially when you're talking about this story in particular that we're going to get into today, it's very important to have that female point of view. Now, I know she did the colors and some people might think, well, she didn't contribute anything to the book or the story or anything. But trust me, I guarantee <laughs> you these people talked with this woman and I'm sure that her influence is felt throughout the book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She did a lot of work with Marvel. Uh, she co-created Spider-Woman, which was oh. about, the, about the same time, a little, maybe a little bit before Miss Marvel. Uh, okay. But she did that. And she also worked a lot on some of the parody books Marvel had, like um, once called Not Brand X. It's a you know funny Not parody book. That Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Well, that's pretty cool. And then the last person that we've got listed in the creator segment today is the letterer, John Costello. Now, I'm assuming he's not from the Seinfeld Costanza. No, he's not related to George, no. Okay. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about him. So we've come across him before. He was the letterer on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, wow. So his hand was really tired. Yes. Because that book never shut up. That was the one that just had more dialogue than anything I've ever read in my life. Of course, now that came after this Miss Marvel, because that was in the mid-80s. Miss Marvel was in 1970. But still, I mean, that poor guy, good Lord, having to do all that because that was all by hand back then. That wasn't with a computer (laughs) or fonts or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, By hand. He's inked a lot of legendary stuff. Uh, The Dark Knight Returns, Wonder Woman with George Perez. uh, Oh, nice. You know, Tomb of Dracula, Conan the Barbarian. He worked with Jack Kirby with New Gods, Mr. Miracle and the Forever People. So he's probably lettered almost every character you can think of. Man, wow. So Ralph, I've got a question for you. I'm just wondering when you're going to start living up to the caliber of these people we've got on the show today. Are you going to start working with all these greats and doing all these awesome books? Because I love Zinnaber. I'm sure that you're going to be in there somewhere. Well, if I could, I would today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's no doubt in my mind that you've got the talent for it, sir. That's Uh, for sure. I already had the chance to meet some very great people in the industry and uh I hope to get some someday there, but uh, to be honest, uh, I much uh, uh, enjoy uh, or much uh, I enjoy much more to to meet uh, people who read my comics at conventions. Uh, sure, so, I bet yeah. that's probably that, that's one of the best things fun. for a creator, right? Yeah, because yeah. you get to see how the people really reacted yeah. to what you created out of your own exactly. brain. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I I envy you guys that that you've taken the time and brought something into the world that other people have shared with you you and had that experience. And that's one of the main reasons why the creator info segment is the very first segment that we talk about in these back issues, because we are so thankful to the creators like yourself and these greats that we've talked about today, because without you guys, there would be a large portion of our enjoyment, our childhood even, that would have never happened if it weren't for you guys. Absolutely. This is the mystic sword of omens and the source of our powers, the Eye of Thundera. The Via VHS podcast is changing lives. 
Here's some testimonials. Bill from Tallahassee, Florida says, I was able to quit my job and get a Ferrari, just like Magnum P.I. Sue from San Diego, California says, Wow, it really helped with my crippling depression. Thanks, Via VHS. And Tom from Charlotte, North Carolina says, It cured my genital warts. Wow. Listen to the Via VHS podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Talked about the creators. Now it's time to talk about the characters. And oh, I thought you were going to say pizza. Damn it. Pizza. Oh, man. Well, now I'm hungry. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I'm right. selling pizza on my day job. <laughs> there you go. You're selling pizza for your day job. That's perfect. So what I mean, obviously, the main character in this book is Miss Marvel, who was uh, her persona, alternate persona, Carol Danvers. Right. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned about Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers? I know there's a little bit in issue number two about her backstory. Is she she's been around the Marvel Universe before this a little bit, hadn't she? Yeah. So I, I looked it up and she was a supporting character with Captain Marvel or Marvel. Back in the mid to late 60s, she was, as you said in the description, she was a security person at a NASA facility. And she kind of disappeared or wasn't in Marvel Comics after, you know, 1969, after the... um, the last issue or one of the last issues of that Captain Marvel series. And then they brought her back for this 1977 series. So this is really her reintroduction then to the Marvel universe as a, as a new hero. I think Marvel was trying to get some new heroes in the seventies. We've, you know, we had the Punisher, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then Miss Marvel in the late 70s, Spider-Woman. Yeah, and I so- think there was something, too, that either Marvel or DC, one of them, there was some settlement because Captain Marvel was already used from a previous comic book company. And there was some settlement that said that one or the other of them had to create a new series each year that had that character as a title. Otherwise, they would lose the ability to create that character. I don't remember if it was Marvel yeah. or DC that had to do that. Right. I don't know if it was what the details are, but I think Marvel eventually won that because the other Captain Marvel we re- re- referring to from uh, DC is pretty much just referred to as Shazam now. So Right. Yeah, pretty much. Well, what about, I mean, probably, I'm not going to call this person her arch nemesis, but man, he really should be J. Jonah Jameson. Is there anything in the Marvel lore about this guy? I've never heard of him before. Yeah, he's just this character they introduced <laughs> in this and then he was never seen again. No, he's <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson is, I, I don't know, I may start a debate here, but he's probably one of the best known supporting characters, I think, in comics. Yeah. I think Al, Alfred probably is number one. Alfred's probably number one. I'll give you that. But Commissioner J. Jonah Gordon's probably, he's probably after Commissioner Gordon and Alfred. Well, and they're both in Batman, so and they're they both count. in Batman. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jay Jonah, he is a jerk, but I—he's a great character. I love him. He's—he is an interesting character. Ralph, uh, do you have any experience with Jay Jonah Jameson? You remember reading him in the Spider-Man stuff? I'm assuming. Well, um, my fr- first encounter with him was in the old um, uh, cartoon uh, in the '90s. Oh <laughs> yes, yeah. And right. he was uh, always the counter guy to the main character. Spider-Man, and he's right. doing the same job in, in this book. He's, he's yeah. the counter mm-hmm. to, to Carol Danvers. He's basically his job is to make her look better in 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 the story and the plot. In yeah, her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he he, he looks so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so J. Jonah Jameson, 
central character in this book, but there's also some of the bad people, right? We right. got to get into the scorpion. The scorpion, I don't know. I mean, he's a bad guy. I get that, but I almost so feel a little bit bad for him because there's some stuff that happens in this book, but how did that come about in his history? Because some of the stuff that happened that they talk about in this book happened before. Has he been around for a long time or he, what? He has. He was, a, he's part of Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Okay. Yes. He was a private detective hired by J. Jonah Jameson. And they they explain that a little bit in the book. And so he hates mm-hmm. J. Jonah uh, and he ended up getting part of this experiment where he's right. trapped in this scorpion uh, outfit. It's, it's a little ridiculous, but he, he's right. still an yeah, interesting character. It's like the character. outfit fuses with him, almost yeah. like Blue Devil, right? Right. And he he's out of his element uh, with, with Miss Marvel, for sure. Now, one character that I did like in this book that I think he took on a new persona in this book, but he must have been around before that was this guy who's now known as the Destructor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had never seen him before. He definitely had a, I know that John Buscema was the artist on this, but he had a Jack Kirby look to him, uh, the mm. way Jack Kirby struck. Yeah, he was definitely an interesting character. I, I, I was not familiar with him. I, were you familiar with him, Ralph? Oh, no, not not, not before so, this book. This may be a character that was created just for this story then. Yes. Wow. Well, what about the advanced idea mechanics or AIM? Now, this is not the AIM that was the thing from Yahoo, AOL, or whoever that was an instant messenger thing. Oh, instant thing. messenger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a completely group of like these guys who just create weapons for bad guys, it seems. Uh, yes, they're they're kind of the scientific or nerd Hydra, in my mm, opinion. Uh, okay, you know they're a secret society of scientists. Uh, they they were mentioned and they were used a little bit differently, but they are a part of Iron Man three. Uh, Oh, they, really? Okay. Yes, yeah. The movie you're talking about? The Iron movie, Man 3? Yeah, the movie Iron Man 3. Um, they were part of um, the group that Guy Pierce was a part of. Oh, okay. Sort of. You. Yeah. They, they, hmm. yeah. There was a lot of twists and turns in that movie, but a- yeah, right? mentioned, but they're not wearing the yellow jumpsuits. Yeah. With the weird, yeah. With the weird, like, 19 well this was in 1977 so mm-hmm. that makes sense but those like radioactive suit looking outfit things or mm-hmm. something that they were in like they had just gone through a nuclear bomb test or something right it was a little weird and it made all of the all of those guys kind of nondescript but yes absolutely. they were an interesting counterpoint because you've got the scorpion and the destructor individual super baddie guys mm-hmm. that you're used to in the 70s superhero milieu but these like you said they're the nerdy hydra group right but it was it was an interesting thing. One character though that came out of left field that I did not expect to be in this book, Mary Jane Watson. What the hell is she doing in there? She just shows up out of nowhere. Oh, I'm here with Peter today. Yeah, she I I, I love Mary Jane, but she was almost a little fangirlish in this book. Mm-hmm. A yeah. little a bit. A little bit. Little thick uh, on that. Yeah, she, I, I think it was just because they were bringing back Carol and wanted to kind of firmly establish her in the Marvel Universe and say, you know, she's in New York and, you know, kind of with everything else that's going on. I think that's one reason why we have Jay Jonah and Mary Jane in there to kind of maybe bring readers in a little bit. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. You know, yeah, a little familiarity to try and say, okay, guys, we know this is a new title, but here's mm-hmm. some people you know. Yeah. yeah, I could see that a little bit because they did mention Peter Parker, 
once or mm-hmm. twice in the book. And yeah, you see Mary him Jane, for a minute, course. yeah. Yeah. Ralph, is that something that you found was kind of like a cheap pop, so to speak, that from the wrestling term? You know, people talk about, you know, if you go to a concert and the concert musicians, they mention the name of the city, everybody goes crazy, right? Well, in this case, it seems like they throw J. Jonah Jameson and Mary Jane Watson in almost as like a cheap pop to try and get the reader interested. What did you think about that? Well, I feel like uh, those characters are more tools for the whole setting and, and the story. Well, for example, like 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 I said before, that J. Jonah James' job in this book is to help uh, flesh out Carol Danvers as a character and especially as a female character. And I think um, May Jane is, is basically uh, uh, doing the same in this story. Uh, I think uh, every character in these books ha- has a specific job for the story. And, um, some, some jobs are minor, like Mary Jane, and some are more important, like J. Jonah Jameson. I think J. Jonah Jameson is doing a really good job in this. Well, yeah. you know, I don't want to waste any more time, then let's start talking about the story. Yeah, let's get into <laughs> it. <laughs> Your fate will be sealed by the symbol you betrayed, Groon, the Eye of Thundera. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show, 30, 20, 10. You may have seen NBC's TV movie, A Twist of Fate. A Nazi who became a Jew and for decades <laughs> he got away with it. How could you do it? Ben Cross, Veronica Hamill, Twist of Fate. Premier Sunday. Yeah. A Nazi who became a Jew. If we, oh my God, it's the reverse Stephen Miller story. <laughs> if we hadn't had... And now I have to see it because like the scene where they show him like a Nazi who became a Jew, that little clip on the YouTube video <laughs> is like the Joker's transition. Oh, he had plastic... The had story plastic... is he had plastic surgery. So what plastic surgery did you have, my yeah, friend, to make yourself look more Jewish? specific. <laughs> just, a, just a Nazi trying to do the right thing. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. Gentlemen, it's no time like the present. Let's just start talking about the story. Miss Marvel issues number one through three. First of all, there's no way getting around this. This was a huge statement on the 70s feminist movement, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. It even brings it up in the book. Uh, You know, uh, Carol's trying to, you know, make a a statement, you know, move on from her military past and wants to be a writer. And she's put on, you know, Woman Magazine to be a voice for for women. Uh, And she also, you know, I thought it was interesting her you know, negotiate, negotiating her pay with J. Jonah Jameson was a very sure. interesting scene as well. Well, and it was it was interesting in not just that she stood up for herself, which was very important with the whole mm-hmm. strength of this book, but it was also interesting because you talk about what people thought about women in the workforce at that era of time. Right. I don't care if you, you, you could probably go back and look out, even though he agreed to the salary that she told him that she wanted, mm-hmm. she was probably still underpaid for a male counterpart of the same job type at that point. 
Yeah, probably. I, I don't know how much journalists made back then, but it doesn't seem like well, a whole lot. But she's not just a journalist. No, I she mean, is an she editor. Was yeah. The head editor of this full magazine. And I also liked how she, you know, he said he wanted the book to do this, this, and this. And then she stands up and says, no, it's going to be about this. Right. Yeah. So a big part of this was J. Jonah Jameson's hatred of heroes. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of who J. Jonathan is, right? I mean, he. And he admits <laughs> it. Jonah- he, yeah, the whole thing. He just hates superheroes. They, I think it's because they make him feel inferior. And then to have a female superhero on top of that, you know, because the whole time he's just talking about, you know, a man this and a man that. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have a high that. opinion of women at all. And no. <laughs> I, I more feel like he doesn't understand women. Uh, I think that's oh, the main issue. I think that goes without saying. Right? Yes. <laughs> he definitely doesn't understand women. No. I mean, I wonder if, I, does he have a wife or children or anything? like that i've he, never he, he does. has a He's, son yeah he has a son he does yes so he must have had uh, in one point of his life a, a woman well at least a relationship she might yeah. not have married <laughs> so, well, his, his son is an astronaut and the werewolf uh, if i remembered correctly oh wow yes his son's a, his he has a grown son who's a astronaut he's been married a couple times i'm not sure about his first wife his second wife uh she stuck by him i think they off and on she eventually probably a few years ago was was killed by dr octopus um oh she so she put up with j jonah jameson all that time and then she gets killed by dr octopus how horrible he's been married a few times so man well you want to talk about dual identities that's something that was very prevalent in this book. You've got Carol Danvers, the new editor-in-chief of Woman Magazine, the former NASA security head personnel person. And now she's in this whole new world. She starts having these blackouts. Mm-hmm. She starts passing out. And then all of a sudden you see Captain Marvel. It's pretty obvious to those of us in today's modern times that she's going to be Captain Marvel, even though in issue number one, they leave that all the way till the very end. I wonder if in 1977, people probably might not have picked up on that, especially young readers who were probably the ones reading comic books at that time. Right. It might have gone unnoticed until those very last panels. It, it may have. And also, it, it. I knew that she was going to be Captain I mean, Miss Marvel. But one thing that was interesting was her hair length was different uh, when she. Oh, that's right. When she turned from Carol to Miss Marvel was was it was shorter, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. And that might have been something to throw people off the scent or keep people guessing till the very end. At least a little bit. Right. right. Ralph, I mean, you know, we look at this now in 2019. It's very obvious from the very beginning that she's Miss Marvel. But. Do you think you would have picked up on that when you were younger? I feel like I have to disagree a bit because okay. um, uh, it, it, it has a lot uh, typical tropes from uh, the 70s and also from earlier tests. Uh, a superhero at the beginning of the story who can who can fly, who, who, who can uh, uh, fight against uh, people with, with, with uh, pistols and she's right. uh, using that car, um, which she's uh, fresh. Yeah, super uh, strength and everything. Yes, right? yes. She has some amazing powers, uh, uh, so she's established as a more Superman-like character. And then uh, in the next scene, you see um, she uh, 
a female main character is going to be an editor in a newspaper or in a magazine. Uh, that's uh, the basic trope uh, of the superhero that started with Superman. I think uh, people from that time are not that naive uh, not to see that tropes. Uh, so, um, it, and you, you really see that this is intended. Uh, intended. So, um, I think uh, people uh, would see that uh, or have seen that in, in, in a much more way than we do now. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, I did notice that there was a little bit of a parallel to another Marvel character, the Hulk, right? I mean, they kind of yeah, did yeah. the same thing with him. Bruce Banner, when yeah, he is the Hulk, right, he doesn't exactly. have any memories. He has the blackouts. It was the yeah. a same kind of mechanism to get to the character. Mm -hmm. But I appreciated that they did a couple of differences with her. Like you said, Jason, they changed her hair they did, yeah. a little bit. You know, she comes out in the clothes. They don't really mention anything about her clothes needing to be changed or why she's in street clothes. Like you would think that it the clothes must change as part of the transformation because she goes into that whole ball of light thing and mm -hmm. then the clothes are completely different because if she woke up as Carol Danvers and was wearing that outfit, it wouldn't take her long to figure out who she was. Right. right? I feel like it's more like the other uh, Captain Marvels we had that are changing the entire body. Mm, mm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you're right about that. Well, they talk a little bit more about the origin of Carol Danvers, not in issue number one, as you might expect, but they didn't do it until issue number two. I kind of found that really interesting. What did you guys think? I thought it was very interesting that they waited till issue two to do that. I, You know, it may have been they wanted issue one to be a lot of action and a little bit of intrigue about who she is, that she has amnesia, and then they, you know, bring it up in issue two. Um, I, I thought it was kind of a smart move. And Ralph, this is where those AIM guys start talking about scanning her and her suit yes, and all yes. that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. So um, the AIM guys are representing uh, the, the reader who has a lot of questions about her after the first issue, and they are doing this analyzing thing with the X-ray photons uh, revealing her inside, which looks a bit strange and all that kind of nerd, nerd information. Uh, so um, it's it's a great uh, storytelling tool to uh, tell us something about her, 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 what's going on with her. And uh, it's, it's a lot working with establishing sure. a mystery and that and then digging into it. Uh, it's a great way to tell a story. All right. Well, one that I hope somebody, at least one person will agree with me. I thought it was a little silly to call that one superpower the seventh sense. I'm like, okay, really? We got to say it's bigger than the sixth sense. It's bigger than Spidey sense. Now it's the seventh sense. I mean, that was a little on the nose, if you ask me. I, I agree that that was interesting. Uh, the, I, that That's why I, I wanted to bring it up. It was just, they mentioned it several times. Oh, my seventh sense, my seventh sense. Uh, you know, what is that? I, I looked up her powers, though. She is extremely powerful. Uh, she sure. has... She has a danger sense, but also has cosmic awareness, which, you know, good guess on what that is. But I don't know if the seventh <laughs> sense is one of those, but she, she's a very powerful character. Um, almost, you know, the seventh sense makes her almost undefeatable, just being able to sense danger anywhere. Well, and that was the destructor, that guy who was a scientist that became an evil guy. Yeah. That was one of the things he talked about. We might not be able to defeat her because of her seventh sense. Ralph, what did you think about that? Well, I remember uh, that the other Captain Marvels had also this cosmic awareness. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't know where I read that, but uh, I, I read that was somehow connected or some somehow working the same way as Spider-Man's sense was working. Um, 
So maybe seventh sense is, is not a great way to call it, but uh, it was something that was going on with um, more than one Marvel character and that was already established before. Um, so <laughs> seventh sense is maybe uh, really not the best way to describe it, but right. Yeah, it's a little weird, but <laughs> I mean, it's there. She uses it. It's a good power for her to have. And yeah. I think it maybe they're kind of tying it into women's intuition a little bit, you know, since this is a female Possibly. character and they were trying to do the seventies feminist movement stuff mm -hmm. and women's intuition was probably something that was talked about quite often during that time period. But one of the last parts of the story, one of the last points, every superhero who has a secret identity, it seems as though they all have someone who knows who they really are. Superman has Lois Lane, Batman has Robin, although he's kind of a super, he has Alfred, right? We talked right, about Alfred, Alfred, so we'll say that. I mean, all these different characters, Spider-Man has Mary Jane, mm -hmm. right? So they all have these people in their lives who know who they are as a regular person. In this case, I thought it was an odd choice to make that person for Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel. I thought it was odd to make it a psychologist. I didn't, it's almost like they were saying she's less of a person because the only person who can know anything about her is the person who thinks she's crazy. And I, I didn't like that very much. Right. Why couldn't it have been somebody else? I, I thought that was interesting. And I, maybe uh, you guys can maybe fill, fill me in a little bit. It was hard to tell if she was actually his her doctor or there was something else going on there seemed to be a little bit of flirtation there that maybe they were already in a relationship or maybe you know maybe they just were had a really good doctor patient relationship it was hard to tell because he did rush that one patient out of the office when she came mm -hmm. in with you know her you know emergency so right I, you I know mean, he definitely seems to care about her and I think that that's a good thing but why couldn't he have been like somebody from her past, maybe from NASA or something? Why did it need to be a psychologist? I just found his job choice as jarring to me. Ralph, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, it would be much better if it is a more, more likable character. Um, mm -hmm. more, more like Jimmy Olsen. I think Jimmy Olsen sure. knew about Superman much earlier than Lois Lane, but I'm not sure about that. And uh, was it Rick Jones from the Hulk was right. also a really likable character whose story right. is also connected to uh, the Captain Marvel story. So he, he could have been a much more interesting supporting character. Um, but um, yes, it, it, the, the problem is he, he's not really likable, at least not from my viewpoint. And that's the main issue. And yeah. I, I'm I mean, maybe sure he if, gets if, more likable later, but right now yeah, he's not. Yeah, and this uh, patient and doctor relationship is not really healthy at, as it, it is described no. here. No, it, it almost takes away from her as a superhero. Like, yeah, she's yeah. not good enough on her own. She has to have a psychologist. Yeah, and, and I thought and that was a poor choice for him. And he's he's uh, holding her. It's, it's not really yeah. portrayed in a good way. It weakens her way. a little bit, right? Especially because they tried to make her strong when they yes. related her to J. Jonah Jameson. Right. But then as a superhero or as Carol Danvers, either one, she has to have this psychologist who has to aid her and help her. That wasn't like Jimmy Olsen's thing or, I mean, it was a little bit of Alfred's thing, but not really. Batman could have done just fine without mm -hmm. Alfred. Yeah, she had, you know? had a blackout when she was cooking. <laughs> was <a> <laughs> right. More, more cliche. 
Yeah, wow. there was a lot of those bad 70s cliches. I, yeah. I think they had an opportunity to do better with some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this was 1977, not 2017 or 2019 or anything yeah. like that. So a lot of stuff in this book is positive. Yeah, there don't need to forget get that. That's true. They had to take this step before they could get yeah. to the next one, right? Right. Yeah. And if it makes you guys feel better, I read ahead a little bit on the history of Captain Marvel or Miss oh, yeah. Marvel. I'm sorry, Miss Marvel. <laughs> right. We, we need Carol, to delete her history. And, <laughs> and this psych, this psychologist or psych, her doctor, uh, he ends up getting killed later on in the series by Mystique. Oh. So, well, there you go. I feel better now. Yeah. Yay, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Schnarf didn't do anything, of course. Just found the sword, that's all. Schnarf, If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And that will wrap it up for this, our back issue edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. Before we get out of here, Ralph, why don't you tell all the people where they can find Zinnaber and all your other work? Yes, you can find my work in the United States at Scout Comics, who's my publisher there. And you can order my my stuff at any comic book store uh, through Diamond. And the, But the best way to get my book is the website, Scout Comics. And I think when this podcast is the podcast released they'll have my trade uh, already in, in their shelves and uh, I, I appreciate it if anyone picks it up oh uh, sure I, absolutely and i hope and hope and i hope you like it um, we, well we love it yeah, so. we absolutely <laughs> love it yes thank you <laughs> once again ralph thank you so much for joining us today yeah it was really nice to to take a look at this book again and it, talking about this helped me to, to think about some stuff again and it was a nice lesson for me as a writer well there you go jason thank you so much for joining me again today oh uh, my pleasure and is this the oldest book that we've revisited so far on drawn and paneled i believe to this point it is so far this is episode number 20 and this is the oldest one we've looked at wow okay may have to go deeper next time huh (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) and we will see you guys next time see you guys later see ya This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.